Welcome to the Everything Building Envelope podcast. On this show, we discuss topics relating to the exterior building envelope, such as waterproofing, glazing, cladding, roofing, and more. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. For previous episodes, show notes, and bonus video content, check out our website, everythingbuildingenvelope.com. Now, here's your host for the Everything Building Envelope podcast, Paul Beers. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Everything Building Envelope podcast. We've got a really interesting topic today with Frank Thomas and David Westbrook of Landmark Restorations, LTD in Atlanta. Welcome, guys. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for having us. So we met a couple months ago in Atlanta, and we just sort of had to sit down, say hello, sit down. In fact, um, I remember, Frank, you actually ran into one of my guys there in a coffee shop, and you saw the shirt said Building Envelope, and that got the conversation going. Which There's the power of, of marketing, right? It was uh, quite a morning. Uh, yeah, I looked across, and so I said, I've got to talk to that guy. So it yeah, worked. That's Hall Brody, who's our um, one of our principals, and he runs our Atlanta operation. But so we sat down, and guys were telling me and kind of showing me what you do with with restoring facades and glazing systems and whatnot. And I thought it was really cool. And that was when I said, you know, we've got to get you guys onto the podcast. So I'm really really excited about it. I know this is going to be of big interest to the audience. It's it's unique, it's different, it's innovative. So that'll be really uh, really good. So to start out, let's talk about Landmark Restorations a little bit, Frank. Can you tell us about the business, what you guys do and, you know, where you operate and whatnot? Uh thank you. We're basically started our 36th year. In November this year we started a company, uh, it's hard to believe it is 36 years. And uh, my background uh, really is in the high-rise commercial waterproofing industry. I had the opportunity to work five years, sort of like a summer internship uh, with a company in New York, uh, in the Northeast, and it was invaluable, that experience. And company Landmark Restorations really evolved uh, from the traditional waterproofing of a commercial building into the facade retrofit company we are today. Our goals have always been to, be, to create a high-performance facade company. And David Westbrook, when he joined us, I knew immediately that that piece of the envelope would increase tremendously. David brings uh, a lot of three-dimensional talent looking at windows and doors and facades. And his background in the uh, pres- as a preservationist, uh, that's his master's degree, really gives us an opportunity to sit down with an owner, an asset manager, and help them develop, again, a facade program that we're extremely proud of. Yeah, and David, you have a very interesting, appropriate background for this. I was really, as I said, impressed with some of the stuff that you're doing, but why don't you just tell the listeners a little bit more about your background and how you uh, got to the point where you're working with Landmark Restorations now. Sure. Well, I got a bachelor's degree in English literature and, you know, went to a year of graduate school in that and decided you know, I wanted to take a different path. And uh, at the time, I had some good friends who had their own stone masonry and timber frame business. And so I got a crash course in stone masonry and timber framing. And, you know, they really did it right. They were very proud of what they did and called themselves kind of an old world. You know, they look back to Europe and those guys who buildings are 600 years old or more over there. So they kind of really took a lot of pride in doing that stuff right. So I learned a lot from them. And then from there, I just did general carpentry and remodeling framing for about six years. They gave me kind of a 
crash course in, in general construction, kind of more on the residential side though. And then in 2007, I moved to Atlanta and got into the master's program for historic preservation at Georgia State University. And through that program, I got a job, uh, interestingly, at a cemetery here in, in Atlanta. It's the oldest cemetery in the city. And at the time, it was recovering from a tornado that had hit, and it damaged a lot of the historic monuments and markers and things out there. And so they knew I had a background in, in masonry and repair, and so kind of helped take and guide that restoration somewhat. And it was going to be just a temporary gig, and it turned into a longer gig where they got a grant to restore. There's like 55 mausoleum or mausolea, the plural of the mausoleum in the cemetery. So I had to develop a scope of work for each one to figure out, you know, repointing, stained glass window restoration. Uh, there were different types of uh, stone, sandstone, limestone, granite that these things are made out of, all in different degrees of deterioration. So we had to figure out what scope or how to best repair that, all keeping in the historic interior of the Secretary of the Standards of Preservation. So we had to take that scope of work that we developed to the city of Atlanta's um, Urban Design Commission, who oversees the landmarks in the city, and get it all approved, and then execute the work. And so after that was all done, I started sending out resumes. And actually, I sent out like three resumes at first, and Landmark Restorations was one of the companies I sent my resume to. And Frank called me a couple of days later, and here we are. Yeah, and you guys are working on some really, what you showed me, some really interesting projects. And you guys work in a very wide geographic area, like the whole country, isn't that right? We do provide nationwide contract service. Uh, as David mentioned, we've got several projects on the West Coast in San Francisco, L.A., San Diego. Uh, we work with uh, a large group in Seattle. We're in New York, Boston, Minneapolis. Atlanta. In fact, uh, we're looking at projects as well in the uh, Fort Lauderdale area right now. So yeah, we do cover a large area. Our clients, of course, like everyone else, dictates a lot of where we go. Fortunate we have uh, excellent crews. There are crews. We are, you know, we don't subcontract our work. Or there are our own people, and I think that makes a big difference to why we uh, we have those capabilities to travel as well as we do, or as extensively as we do. Yeah, and what, what kind of client base do you have? I mean, what kind of folks are your typical clients? It runs the gamut, really. I mean, we have owners that we work directly for, you know, real estate companies who own a lot of real estate and have a lot of uh, buildings. And then we also work, for, you know, property managers, uh, management asset management companies of, of properties. And we work for um, REITs, that groups that own hotels all across the country. And then we work for, you know, we're doing small jobs like little house museum type things, you know, for little nonprofits. And it just really runs the gamut. So, so in addition to actually doing the work, you guys actually design the solutions. Here's what we need to do and here's what we recommend and here's how we're going to do it. Is that right? That's probably our strongest asset. Uh, Paul, I appreciate you bringing that up, that we literally, uh, David and I can go in and sit down and whether it's grading the existing facade, uh, creating a double skin with uh, new high-performance windows and doors, you know, we actually can sit down and help with the budgeting. Probably one of the strongest things we do is help people uh, create a budget or take an existing budget and value engineer the work required. 
Frank likes to say our job is to help our clients figure out the best way for them to get their bang for their buck, and that's really we're doing our jobs when we can help them do that. Yeah, because the budget obviously is always a, a very primary consideration. Here's how much money we have. What can we do with it? Another thing to add to what Shave just said, uh, we also are uh, help people where they're buying or selling the property, sort of a due diligence. You know, what are they going to get involved in? What what kind of numbers are they going to? Uh, be required to because the banks and the lending institutions have really taken a uh, stronger position, as you know, over the last probably eight, ten years. So that when a new acquisition occurs, there's typically a, they call a PIP list of things that the bank is going to require the owners to perform. And so we we play an integral part. Yeah, that's interesting that you bring that up. You know, one of our GCI consultants' largest projects right now is a $10 million facade restoration on a major resort property in South Florida. You know, the stucco's cracked and there's some leaks and things like that, but all that going was the property was sold and it was conditioned by the lender who was basically funding the acquisition that the facade had to be repaired and it it needed it too. When we were talking just before we started the podcast, you were telling me that you guys have different levels that you of services that you provide on projects. You, you call it level three, level two, level one. Could you talk about that a little bit more? That was that was interesting, also. Sure. Um, you know, David developed a uh, means and methods of strengthening an existing uh, sliding glass door frame, which uh, in the hotel industry really is, you talk about run the gamut, they run from from one end of the spectrum to the other. The biggest issue is uh, wind pressure on doors. And so David developed a uh, method of uh, strengthening the existing frame. And so when we talk about level one, that's the Minneapolis project. Uh, New rollers, track guides, uh, locking system, strengthen up the frame, clean up, general tune-up we call it. The existing glass stays in place, a higher comfort level for the hotel and the uh, guest inside. When we talk about the embassy at LAX, again, David and a gentleman that is really our kind of field supervisor, uh, Randall Altorano, developed a, a method of taking the existing door frames where we can take the existing glass out. In this case, it was quarter inch standard float glass, and we installed high performance, uh, low E, and Soundproofing. The hotel is uh, directly across the street from the LAX airport, where in this case the jumbo jets, the cargoes, take off. That was a complete facade retrofit program. Uh, the doors were all field refinished, by the way, uh, new color. The uh, condensation we had to take into account. We had our engineers in, in Seattle develop a low E factor so that the condensation was significantly reduced, or in some cases, it doesn't exist at all. The Burlingame Embassy in California is a new door system. Uh, Without taking out the existing frame cap, we're putting in new doors, new triple locking system, very high performance uh, low E and high performance enhanced sound control glass to the opening. All field refinished, clear coat over the uh, coating itself, the existing paint that we're putting on, not existing, but the new paint. And the owners are in love with it. It's a Hilton property as well, so we're getting a lot of exposure on a corporate basis. I can tell you that all rooms on every level are put back into service the day we finish. There's no interior work whatsoever. I know the hotel guys love that. They keep renting them and really you know, minimizes the disturbance to the 
It makes a big difference. David works very closely on the scheduling. There's a, a rotation that is it's extremely critical. There's a lot of cooperation on everyone's front. David develops this schedule. You may want to chat about that for a quick second. I think that's sometimes we forget about the communication effort. We focus just on the kind of nuts and bolts, but the communication that David creates uh, with these schedules, I'd like him to just chat about that for a second. Sure. Obviously, the hotels want the rooms back in service as quickly as possible, so we work with them at the front end and say, you know, look, depending on the time of year, how busy the hotel is, how many blackout dates they have where they're going to be sold out completely, and in some cases, work has to stop on some projects then. And so based on their feedback, then we can develop and then how many rooms they can give us at a time. That factors into it as well. Then we figure out, okay, we can do, based on this amount of rooms, we can get this many done, say, in three days or four days or five days. And then we set up a rotation where we give them completed rooms at the end of a, a day, inspected by you know, the engineer at the building. They sign off on it, it goes back into service, then they give us a new set of rooms that are out of service the night, you know, that night, so we can get in first thing in the morning and start start working again. But we plot all this out on just a simple Microsoft Excel spreadsheet, and everyone has a copy of it. Randall, the guy in the field supervisor that Frank was telling you about earlier, um, you know, he meets every day with the, the managers sometimes, and then Steph, the engineers at the built property, and, you know, they, they just, so everybody knows what rooms are being worked on, if there's any issues that we need to address, and just so everyone's, you know, like Frank says, the communication knows what's going on. By the way, one other aspect, Paul, I want to throw in real quick, I know we want to move along, is that uh, these are all custom. This is not a one-size-fits-all. Uh, every one of these projects is uh, custom-made for that door opening, from the glass to the aluminum, coatings, finishes, uh, locking systems, adjustments, because we're, we look at it on a long-term basis for the operations and maintenance going forward. So we remain in place with the hotel, in this case, um, as they go down the road a few years for adjustments and Again, whatever whatever's going to affect operations and maintenance, we're, we're going to be involved as well down the road. So David showed me when I was in your guys' office a couple months ago, some of your techniques. And I remember the embassy suites at LAX. There was a couple of things that Frank already mentioned, which is that you actually took out the monolithic glass and replaced it with a thicker piece of glass and also talked about field refinishing. That's not easy to do. I mean, it's, especially with the varying thicknesses of glass, but I thought maybe we'd do a little deep dive into if you could maybe describe some of the things that you guys did on that project and how you did it, because it was really, uh, it was pretty impressive, I thought. Sure, yeah. The Like Frank says, each project is different and it depends on what you're dealing with it's in place. First and foremost, and then determining, all right, we can make this work here, or maybe it won't work. But for that particular project, the door frames, they were solid. I mean, they were high, pretty thick gauge aluminum. The frame itself was wide enough to receive a thicker piece of glass. So we just opened it up a little bit, and it could take, uh, we put like a 7 8 inch thick IGU in there. And then, of course, we put in heavier gauge rollers to support the added weight. And that's it, really. I mean, it takes some work in the field to do it. We're lucky that we have great crews, and they are very attention to detail oriented and, and know how to execute once we give them a, the scope of work and what we want done. But that's basically it. You know, we just figure out what are the parameters here and then determine the sizes of, of glass, the gauges of aluminum, and what works. And then in terms of field refinishing, I mean, you know, I don't know. I'm not a painter. But, you know, our guys are just 
I mean, it really comes down to materials, to be honest, prep work and the materials we use when it comes down to painting. I mean, we clean it, we scour it a little bit to rough up the surface, make sure you've got a good bond with your primer, and then it's just the guy spraying. He, he does it, puts a good finish on it, and technique. then technique. Mask everything off, of course, we protect the room so there's no overspray getting on anything. Well, one other thing is where David's done some research. Um, these infrared heat lamps that you uh, probably seen in automotive shops, they're brought in because, again, we're dealing with elements. Uh, we set up trailers that are conditioned parts to seal the refinish. So we take a little pain, more pains and patience. And as David said, uh, while we may not be the painters, we have a great crew, their techniques, they're constantly honing that. And we're, on, we're always on the outlook for different pieces that can you know, help them in the field. So on this particular job, and I know it's not unique just to this job, but you started out with some, I don't know how to say this, older sliding glass doors. They've been in place for quite a while. Over 30 years. Yeah, 30-year-old doors. And then the end result was that they basically, without creating all the dust and dirt of ripping everything out and replacing it, an expense too. In fact, that's another interesting point that, that I'd like you to talk about. But you started out with a 30-year-old door, and when you finished the finished work, it had new high-performance glass, it had a new paint finish, it had new hardware. So it's basically taking the skeleton and making a new door out of it. Is that, did I say that well? Yeah, or? absolutely. I mean, it's, it's a brand new door and performs 100% better, not only just from an energy standpoint, but the sound was a big issue on this project. So we went down from 80-something dust bolts in the room with the jets down to, to the mid-30s. I mean, it's incredible, really, to see the transformation. How about getting their return on investment with this? I mean, can they actually monetize... The, the money that they've spent on, on the investment side. It's an interesting point you just brought. We were in a meeting, I was in a meeting at uh, South San, uh, San Francisco, on uh, an embassy, where we performed the same task at LAX. And uh, Hilton came back to the hotel and said that uh, they, got the, uh, they were going to get an energy award, uh, that they had reduced their energy consumption by 40%. Wow. So while we do this on the front end sometime, we'll do the, the uh, energy look at the building and, and provide comparative numbers. You know, what does this low E mean at different levels? Uh, I can tell you that we just finished a test project uh, at one hotel. And we took and changed the temperature coming through float glass. It was uh, 103 degrees. And when we installed the new window system, David uh, designed the interior temperature level of 76 coming through the glass. So it's things like that, and that's what a lot of our testing does. We actually put samples in. The Morgan's Hotel was a great example five years ago. We put a, a variety of different uh, scenarios, and we finally arrived on the one that worked, both from a decibel level, those were in the high 80s, Madison Avenue. Uh, temperatures in rooms you could not maintain. The, uh, the uh, PTAC system continually ran, both in the summer and winter, and that all changed. Um, so owners are coming back to us, and in this case, the most recent meeting I was in was at the Embassy South Sand. Uh, Hilton has given them an award for a 40% decrease in energy consumption. So the Morgan's project, that was one of the ones that we looked at when I was at your, at your place a few months back. And increased guest comfort, I guess I'll call it, you know, not so hot in the room and quieter. 
have you heard any feedback on whether they can, if it's helped them with their room rates or their occupancy or anything like that? Well, another good point. They actually, let's talk about the front end. Uh, before the glass got changed or before the system was installed, they were giving away, because of room complaints, a significant amount of money, some forty, fifty thousand $50,000 a month. You know, when you start multiplying that over several years, it becomes a, the number sort of gets to the point where let's do something. The noisiest part of the Morgan's Hotel right now is the fan motors in the P-Taxes. Comfort level has increased significantly. The uh, vice president and another officer stayed in two rooms that we had done as test units. It was nine degrees outside, again, Madison Avenue. In fact, it was around the Christmas time, so it was very busy. I basically took them to dinner, but before we left for dinner, I said, tell me what your, your temperature you want to see and maintain the room. And they were both around 72 degrees. We came back from dinner. I shut the system off. They had reached 72. That morning, one room lost three degrees, and the other one lost four degrees. And we really attribute that mostly to the hallway door. So those are the kind of tests that we enjoy getting involved in, where you know officers or owners get into the room, they can hear, because you can promise all the decibel levels you want or the amount of energy savings. Uh, you know, if the guest inside that room isn't happy, you know, you're handing them a piece of paper and telling them, well, we reduced it by 40 decibels doesn't really mean much. So you're, I take it, and, and I agree with this, that you're a big proponent of in-place performance mock-ups before you ultimately do the work? Yeah, absolutely. That's our largest selling point by far. I mean, the mock-up just speaks for itself. And like Frank says, the key principles come look at it, see what they're buying, and see the performance right before their eyes. So, I mean, that is a huge selling point for us. And so at this Morgan's Hotel, David, what did you do to get this dramatic improvement in performance? You didn't remove the existing windows, is that correct? That's correct. Basically, like Frank says, we have a group in Seattle who help us with the sound control glass. And we give them the parameters, say, look, we would like, what can you make glass-wise that would, uh, and here's the opening size, here's uh, the depth of the pocket we have to work with. What can you build for us that performs the best from a soundproofing standpoint? And so they get to work and then they say, hey, you know, this is what we think we can get for you. And when we say, great, and we uh, place the order, install it, and that's it. And I mean, we, we talk a lot, though, besides just what can you build? I mean, what other can we install? You know, a secondary piece of glass that's maybe not, you know, one-inch thick insulated unit. Maybe it's just a quarter-inch laminated or three-eighths laminated piece or something like that. And so we just have a conversation, and then we install it, and it's usually just, once it's in place, I mean, you just get the results, and it really works. I mean, those guys are great, and they know what they're doing. They've helped us a lot. And then also, this particular job, it wasn't just the window. It was the PTAC unit Frank mentioned. I mean, that was a through-wall unit. So a lot of sound came through that, and so we took it out, insulated the cabinet of the PTAC itself, filled in holes that were through the floor, gaps between the, the exterior louvers and frame of the PTAC unit that all let sound and air and everything else in. And so that helped as well besides the glass. So, uh, you know, we look at everything that's going on in the room and from at the exterior wall at least and try to come up with solutions. So for the Morgans, just addressing the PTAC and then also putting in not only an insulated glass unit, but backing up and we put in a secondary piece as well. So what's the market like these days for in, in your business? Are you, you know, I know we, we hear, I know in the construction world, things are going well. 
have been going well for a while, which means <laughs> at some point they might start to slow down. But in the restoration side of things, what are the trends that, that you're seeing right now? The trend is really on the facade, uh, total facade retrofit. As we talked about, from top to bottom, we're seeing more redevelopment, not so much on restoration, but the redevelopment of existing warehouses, mid-rise, conversions, some are healthcare REITs. Quite a few hotel acquisition is precedented right now. So when we look at that facade, that's where we're seeing a tremendous amount of money being spent to not just from an appearance or aesthetic standpoint, but how do they really change the concept or the look of the building, yet retain some of the character, in some cases, uh, terracotta, the envelope itself. We see that aspect of the business uh, actually increasing. In some cases, we can't get to these projects. There's that much involved. At least here in Atlanta right now, there's a lot of old existing, like turn-of-the-century warehouse-style buildings are being repurposed. They're not tearing them all down. So we get a lot of calls on, on those types of projects where they have these old steel frame windows. You know, what do they do with them? They want to keep them. Old wood windows, they don't want to rip them out. So how do they go about refurbishing? those. There's a good project on our website under Project Gallery, 84 Walton Street, 75 Marietta Street. It's an old 1906 vintage building. We did a whole restoration of the facade on that building, and it was just double-hung wood windows, repainted them, installed an interior storm window, refinished terracotta, repointed brick, a little bit of everything going on, but it was a historic building. But we're seeing a lot of that as well, I guess, the redevelopment of older buildings, which is good. So your web, you mentioned your website. The web address for that, I'm looking at it right now, is www.landmarkrestorations, with an S on the end of it, all one word, .com. And it's got some of these projects that we've talked about and some other ones and um, really interesting stuff. So what do you guys see is uh, the future from here? Where do you go from here? We were made an initial contact uh, last year, David and I, uh, actually a year and a half ago, the glass build show here in Atlanta. And the security screen railings, wire mesh, perforated mesh aspect or that portion of the business we think has a lot of potential. Existing parking garages, the openings are being, from a security standpoint, looked at for uh, the wire mesh. Again, it involves aluminum and it's different types of perforated or wire mesh installed. Increases the, the awareness of the garage, the appearance without uh, spending a lot of money. It also increases security aspects of it. One of the projects in San Francisco during the uh, door retrofit program, fourth floor was a plaza area, pool, uh, outdoor activities. And if somebody wanted the sliding glass door to be open, then they were vulnerable. Somebody just walking in on them. The new system that we installed has a stainless steel security mesh screen door that you could open the operating section. You can keep that closed. You can still get daylight, air, flow through. And that aspect of the business is another piece. Again, when you talk about high-performance facades, that's becoming an integral piece of our business. I'd never heard of that application before. You know, screens are basically, in my world, I've always known of them as insect screens. So it keeps the bugs out, but not much else, in or out. You know, there's even issues sometimes with people falling out of buildings through screens and whatnot. And it's pretty interesting to me that there's actually a, I guess you'd call it a structural application with the with stainless steel wire mesh that can prevent people from coming in or going out for that matter. Well, that's a good looking piece as well, but I can tell you that uh, you can take a baseball bat, you can't cut it, 
If you did cut it, you can't rip it out. It's internally locked into the frame. It's not a bulb gasket. And so, you know, high schools, uh, university systems, as I mentioned, the parking garages, hospitals, uh, where aesthetics are important. And we can provide now a uh, custom-built frame with the stainless steel mesh. They can be fixed. They can be operating. They'll look good, and they'll stop. They'll allow all the functions that the window or door needs to perform, and yet they'll provide the security while they're aesthetically look like they belong on the property. Yeah, so that, that does sound like a really good growth opportunity. It fits the facade program that we're developing or continue to develop. Yeah, it gives a whole other benefit that really probably people have, don't even consider, don't even know is available. So guys, really interesting. Like I said, I was fascinated when I came and met with you a couple months ago and, and impressed, and that was why we, we organized this uh, this podcast recording. So thank you very much for, for coming on. Thank you for the opportunity, Paul. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, look forward to staying in touch and, and keeping up with what you're doing because it re really is interesting. And I know that our listeners are going to be interested as well and uh, encourage them to, again, to check out the website. And again, that's landmarkrestorations.com. And they're in Atlanta, not to be confused with other companies with similar names in other cities. So again, guys, thanks so much. And with that, thank you to everybody for listening to another episode of the Everything Building Envelope podcast. We have an Everything Building Envelope newsletter. If you'd like to receive that, please text the word building envelope. That's all one word, building envelope to 228-28. Again, text the word building envelope to 228-28 to sign up for the Everything Building Envelope e-newsletter. has some technical articles and other things of interest, so I think the listeners will enjoy that. And with that, this is Paul Beer saying thank you for listening and so long. Thanks for joining us today. Please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. For more information on the Everything Building Envelope, Previous episodes, show notes, bonus video content, and much more, check out our website, everythingbuildingenvelope.com.